have I got sound? Yes, it's marvellous. I love technology. We've got even more of it across the road. And the other thing we have got, because we gathered in there just for a short time of worship at the end of our prayer meeting yesterday, uh, we have a bigger lectern. Now, guess what that could mean? Longer. You know what. Brilliant, isn't it? But no, we're looking forward to what God is going to do. We have waited for two years to get in over the road there. And people tell me to encourage me that it's all in God's timing. And the story I want to tell you, uh, share this morning, is all about God's timing. And what it needs to do is for me is to sink into heart rather than head. Because I'm still battling with God. Why couldn't this happen earlier? But the problem, as David Campbell says, when you argue with God, God is God. And he, he wins. So we've had a series where we've looked at the fruit of the Spirit. Finished with Johnny. Uh, an excellent word for, from Johnny last week. How many people were here to hear that? Oh, many, many people. Now, if you were here, I want you to turn to uh, one of your neighbors, and I want you to ask this question. If you weren't here, you need to turn to your neighbor and ask a different question. So if you were here, turn to your neighbor and say, Did you see Johnny's knees? If you weren't here, you ask the question, What were they like? It was a period of... I should stop now, I'm on a winner. (laughs) I did warn Johnny I would start by insulting him. So he's well prepared, well prepared for this. But I just watching Johnny and taking in how he was preaching. And it was such a privilege to see this young man of God. And I just had this thought, you know, when he grows up and wears long trousers, just how powerful he will be in the things of God. Well done, Johnny. Give us a a whirl, give us a whirl. (laughs) When we look at that passage from Galatians, and it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, we also read towards the end of that passage, said, if you are led by the Spirit, you need to walk in step with the Spirit. As we are led by the Spirit... Since we live by the Spirit, we're led by the Spirit, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. And that is very much the heart of uh, what I want to share with us today. Because as a community, that has got to be the very heartbeat of us as the people of God seeking to be led and be in step with where the Spirit of God is leading us. And this applies individually as many here respond to a specific word of God over their lives. And we as a community embrace what God is doing among us and press in for the more that he has for us, keeping in step with the Spirit. And when we talk about keeping in step with the Spirit, we're talking about something that we do. It is this cooperation with God. He calls us to keep in step with him. It is something that we give our lives to. It's something we do by surrendering ourselves to him. It's not something God does for us. He does not turn us into a puppet and sort of force us to walk. He beckons us on and he says, I want you to follow me. That was the call of Jesus, for people to follow him. He never forced anyone to follow him. It had to be that voluntary action. And we 
take that action in order to follow and walk in step with the Spirit. And that means that as a community, we have to be ready to dispense with how we have always done things. It needs, we need to be walking into the fresh things that God has got for us. Now, it doesn't mean that what we've done in the past is wrong and we want to just change things for the sake of changing it. But when God speaks, we need to be those who are ready to respond and say, yes, Lord, and walk into the newness and the freshness that God has got for us. Because no matter how much we receive, there is still so much more to do. And as we keep in step with the Spirit, that is one of the keys to being a healthy church. Because when we keep in step with the Spirit, what we're doing is we are focusing on where God is leading. We are focusing on what God is saying through His Word. And we're not being blown to and fro by what the world says. And churches that follow what the world says have one destiny ahead of them. And that is closure. Because I firmly believe that as we depart from what God has said and we adopt what man has said, it's a dead end. And God is saying, I want a people who are reflexible, a people who are responsive, a people who will go where I want them to go, regardless of what the world is saying, regardless of what circumstances are saying, and to be obedient to my call. When we follow the work of the Spirit and the leading of the Spirit, it leads us to increasing Freedom. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is uh, the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And as we walk in step with the Spirit, we ought to be walking ever-increasing freedom in the things that Jesus has for us. But it is freedom in Jesus. It's not license. It's not a freedom to do whatever you fancy doing. It is a freedom in Jesus because ultimately that's where freedom lies. You know, Jesus was the most free person who's ever walked the face of the earth. And it cost him. We know what it cost him. We have sung songs this morning about the cost of the freedom that Jesus enjoyed. And so it doesn't necessarily come without cost. It doesn't necessarily mean a nice, easy life. But it means that we are growing to be the person Jesus wants us to be by the power of the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is not, there is bondage and servitude. And we do not want people to live in that. We want people to live in the freedom for which Jesus died to give us. And you can smile at that. Yeah, well, all right then. So we are pursuing ever-increasing freedom in Jesus to be the people He wants us to be, to listen to Him, to follow Him, and not be blown around by the ever-changing whims of people, keeping in step with wherever the Holy Spirit is leading. And I want to look at a a couple of uh, stories here in the Old Testament. Certainly look at one. We may not get time for two. But I want to look at two. And it would have been the the tale of two cities. But then somebody beat me to that title about 150 years ago. Now, I know I look old, but not quite that old. 
And I want us to look at Jer- uh, Joshua chapter 6, which is about the story of Jericho, and bring out principles from that Old Testament story that apply to us today. Because the Word of God is timeless. And as we look at the Old Testament, what we see is the principles of God being worked out in the New Testament community, and praise God, worked out for us here today. And it is the story of the battle of Jericho, which was a glorious victory because people were walking in step with the revealed word of God to them. And then we look at the next story, the battle of Ai, which is exactly the opposite. And you find that in chapter 7 of Joshua. But in chapter 6, Joshua's had an encounter with the commander of the Lord's army. And this encounter with the Lord, the commander of the Lord's army is as good as an encounter with God himself. Because here we have a messenger from heaven coming to Joshua, the land upon which you are standing is holy ground. Take off your sandals. And Joshua did so. And then as we read in chapter 6, Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went in or out. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with the king and his fighting men. March around this city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carrying trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing their trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go in, every man of them. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant the Lord of the Lord your God and have seven priests carry the trumpets in front. And he ordered the people, Advance, march around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. Well done, Lucy, keeping up with me here. And then let's move on, Lucy, to... Verse 15, because we know that's exactly what the people did. They are obedient to the last minute detail. And then in verse 15, in verse 15, and 14 comes before 15. On the seventh day, (laughs) they got up at daybreak. They marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled seven times. The seventh time around when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And that is where we're going to stop reading from Scripture. And when we look at this story, what we find is, and I would ask you if you've got a a paper Bible, none of these electronic things. You see, if you're going to heaven, you need a paper Bible. I have this on good authority. Now, the legalist sitting there saying, well, that's not what I think. But, you know, you need a paper Bible. And go through those first 12, 13 verses of chapter 6 and underline how many times the ark features. And it is an incredible number of times in a very short space of time. And this is telling us that the ark was central to the victory that the people of God were going to be given. And the ark is that symbolic representation of a spiritual principle that God is dwelling in the midst of his people. And it's the presence of God that is going with them that is the key to everything else that unfolds as the story plays out. And just underline, 
in your real paper Bible. Ark, ark, ark. And think of this as presence, presence, presence. God among his people. And as a community, it is essential that the very first thing we seek as we come together in small groups and is the very presence of God. It is that intention of heart that says, I want to encounter God as we gather together. I do not simply want to have a meeting with my fellow believers, although that might be good depending on who you're meeting with. It is that heart desire that whatever happens, I want to encounter Jesus again within his community because that's why he's drawn us together. I want to encounter Jesus again and his presence to be real and more real the longer we go on and encounter him together. So the ark, the physical presence of the ark was so important that they could look and see, there's the ark. There are the priests ahead and behind it carrying that ark. God is with us. That's the key. That is the key to us as a community. God with us. The name Emmanuel was given prophetically many, many years ago before many of you were born. If you're under the age of 43, if you're over the age of 43, I'm sorry. But those of, us, those of you who are under the age of 43, that prophetic word was given to this community that you will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And that has been one of the very hallmarks of this community as we have pressed into all that God has got for us. Not to compromise where we stand, not to water down our message, but to press in that God by His Holy Spirit it wants to dwell among us and we want to be those people anointed and flowing in the things of the Holy Spirit. And thereby we... we <sighs> thereby we influence community. You thought the word was going to begin with a C, didn't you? At that point, so did I, but I couldn't think of what the word was. <laughs> And so, we press in to the presence of God. God's presence is essential to the church with God's presence. We don't have meetings, we have encounters. With God's presence, heaven touches earth, and that is what we want. You know, as people come among us, as David and Mabel, good morning David and Mabel, we prayed for you last week, didn't we? And God is busy answering, isn't he? Right answer. And we still need to pray on through to get the full answer that God has got for them. But their desire is not to come among the people who just have meetings. Their desire is to come among the people who encounter God week by week, day by day. And we grow up into the fullness that Jesus has for us in the Spirit. The presence of God. So how, as a community, then, do we draw on the presence of God? I believe Scripture tells us, and it's very, very simple. It says, by looking to Jesus not to our own circumstances. Looking to our circumstances will bring defeat and depression. Looking to Jesus will lift us up out of that as we see the King of Kings and Lord of Lords with all of the resources that we need. We look to Jesus. For the, we look to Jesus. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And no matter what your circumstances today no matter what you are living through, fix your eyes on Jesus because He is the one who has the answer to your need. 
He is the one who will bring breakthrough in your situation. We don't have the answers. As a community, we point people to the one who does have the answers. And as we fix our eyes on Jesus, I believe that draws the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Fixing our eyes on him. It says in Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is turned to him. The key is our hearts need to be turned to him. And so back to the story of Joshua and the people of Israel and the battle of Jericho, one which is known so well to us. The ark is in the very center of the community, speaking of the physical presence of God. And they get these instructions to walk around the city uh, six times in silence. Now, I want you to put yourself in the position of a member of that community. Now, I know that some of my friends would probably struggle. I wouldn't. I want you to know this. When you reach such a level of perfection, you realize you just go with the flow. But when you get into this situation, God says, I want you to walk, march around the city uh, six times. My first reaction would have been, why? Because I would rather march around the city once and see the result. Or, even better, I would rather be called to sit upon my chair in my tent or home and not have to march around at all Why God did the business. But God says to them, I want you to march around this city six times in silence. Well, there's a second challenge, isn't it? I mean, for you married couples, just look beside you and say, is it possible for that person? Well, before we go into very dangerous ground there. But, you know, they've got to march around six times. I would have been, before listening to that sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit, I would have been the most impatient person. But because I've listened to a wonderful word on that, I think I would have coped. Probably to about day three. And then it would all set in again. And then God develops the whole thing. Not only you've got to march around in silence for six days, then... On the seventh day, oh no, you can't just march around the city once. We've done that, God. Why can't we march around the city once and see the result? No. It says on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak. There's a challenge. (laughs) Could it not have been sort of mid-morning, God? Could we not have had a little stroll around the city? Once. Could we not even just march around the city half a time and catch a donkey back? I mean, that Uber donkeys. Well, we could have had Uber donkeys. They, <laughs> they got up at the break of day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on the day they circled the city seven times, the seventh trumpet, the seventh time around, When the priest sounded the trumpet, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. It was those people who hung in until the seventh time around 
who were participating in the miracle that God did. And, you know, we're all, I, I, I could well have been in the tent. I'm not very well today, Joshua. I've done this for six days. I do not want to do it on a seventh and wander around seven times. Have you seen my feet? Or, to bring it right up to date, as of last week, have you seen my knees? Well done, Johnny. Get it in there. Get it in. You know, we can disqualify ourselves for seeing the miracle of God because we just don't press in to obey what God has said. We give up. And I, I say that for, it's just so easy to do. And so on the seventh day, they walk around seven times and on the seventh they give the shout. God is teaching them patience. And none of us like to be taught patience. Because the only way to be taught patience is for God to give you situations where you need to be patient. And we don't necessarily cope with that. But God is teaching them patience. He's teaching them trust. He could have done it without them. He could have done it on day one. He could have done it without them wandering around seven times. That's not the thing God chose to do in his plan. He said, I'm going to teach you patience. I'm going to teach you faith. I'm going to teach you trust. But, be, but be, as you respond to me in trust, you will find the victory is yours. And sometimes we give up before we get to that place of victory. We give up wandering around the, the, the walls. And we give up on the third time and discount ourselves from the victory. So on the seventh day, the trumpets were blown by those accompanying the ark. And the sound of victory, and this I found very interesting, it is the priests who are beside the ark, which represents the very presence of God, who blow the trumpet as a signal for the people to shout. So that signal for the people to shout is coming from the very presence of God. And as we respond to that victory shout, that, is, that call to victory, which is coming from the very presence of God, we will see God do amazing things. And so the trumpet call comes. And the people respond. And they give a great shout. Now, as we consider this story, there are different sorts of shouts. If you have got young children, you learn to discern the different sorts of shouts. So I am told. My girls will deny I learned anything at all in bringing them up. They're not wrong. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to dispute that. But there are different sorts of shouts. You can recognize a shout of help. There is a shout of help that comes. And as a parent, you're straight there. If you've got two children, there are very different shouts, aren't there? You took this off me! And that one you ignore. Let them fight it out, says the Lord. Right. Um, but different sorts of shouts. There's a shout of despair. There's a shout of being lost. There's a shout for help. But none of these were the shout that the people of God were to declare around the walls of Jericho. Because the people of God facing this incredible city, shut in because of the Israelites, deep walls, well-built walls, well-built defensive walls, the shout that the people of God were called to give is that shout of victory because God had already declared that the victory was theirs. 
They're not shouting, help us God. They're shouting glory to God because he's given us the victory. God said, this victory is ours. And they last the the seven days and they claim the victory as they shout in obedience to what God had revealed to them. Now again, there's choices to be made all through this story. First of all, you've got to choose to walk around in silence for six days. And then you've got to choose to walk around seven times on the seventh day. But then you've got to choose to give the shout of victory. Now again, it would be so easy for us, wouldn't it? You get to the seventh day. You've walked around Jericho seven times. Your feet and your knees are hurting. And the sound comes from the trumpets calling us to shout that victory. And it would have been so easy in that situation to say, I'll leave it to someone else to give the shout. I'll leave it to this this other person. Because quite frankly, I'm a bit tired. Let the shout come from someone else. But the story would indicate that it's the people of God together who give that shout in unity and that releases the power of God and the victory is there. Now consider where we are today. They gave that shout of victory because God had said, I'm giving you this city. We have that shout of victory because Jesus has overcome sin and death for each and every one of us. You see, it's just like the slogan. You know, can you remember the slogan? Puppies are not just for Christmas or dogs are not just for Christmas. Well, this is the message of this is the resurrection is not just for Easter. The resurrection is for every minute of every day. And as the people of God, we are called to give that shout of victory. Sin has been dealt with. The thing that separated me from the Father has been done away with. And as I give myself to Jesus, so I am accepted by the Father into his sight. Death will be no more for those who believe in Jesus because Jesus has overcome sin which separated us, and death. And we live forevermore in the presence of him. Jesus said, again, very familiar words to us, but reason for us to give that shout of victory as we gather together. Christ has conquered death. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And everyone, everyone... Now, are you and everyone here this morning, have you put your trust in Jesus? If you have put your trust in Jesus, you are an everyone. If you have not yet put your trust in Jesus, you can, as Keith has challenged us this morning, we can give our lives over to Jesus. And so then we are included in this incredible verse. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never, ever, ever Die. That is the promise of the Saviour who overcame sin and death. That's what he's promised us. And so who is it who should give the shout of victory but the people of God? I believe that other nations are far better at giving the shout of joy than the British. Now, let me just, let's be honest here. You know, we can be so reserved. 
We don't want to upset the person sitting next to us. You know, it says, uh, it doesn't say sing tunefully, it says sing for joy. So you shouldn't worry about whether you are tuneful or not. And I, I can tell there are many here who have given up being worried about being tuneful. <clears throat> Moving on. But we, we can be so reserved. And yet Scripture tells us to shout for joy. We like the bits that say sing. We don't mind the singing bit. But Scripture says, may my lips shout for joy. I will sing praise to you whom you have delivered. That is the psalmist. And the psalmist knew little of the freedom that we have in Jesus. But he said, I'm going to shout for joy because you've delivered me. We can shout for joy because we have been delivered in and through Jesus. That same verse is translated in the New Living Translation. I will shout for joy. I will sing your praises for you have ransomed me. I will sing and for joy, sing praise, because you have redeemed me. We have been bought back from hell. We have been bought back from death. We have been bought back from an eternity that was bleak and awful into an eternity guaranteed with Jesus. Therefore, we can sing and shout for joy of what is to come, but enjoy it for what is here now. And that is the call upon us as Emmanuel. Not to... Be quiet. And you know, I believe God is adding people to us to help us not be quiet. I don't know if you were here last uh, week yesterday for Funmi's <coughs> something birthday. But we had our African brethren who were leading us in worship. And for those who were here, by the time you got to the end of a couple of hours, you were absolutely drained. But what a vibrant, powerful time it was and showed us something of how we can lift ourselves out of the culture we find ourselves in which can press in on us and be liberated into freedom and joy and worship in a way that we have never been before now I'm not trying to hype anything up for this morning that is not the point what I'm asking is that as the people of God, we start to engage with the truth of God's word, that we have been set free from sin and death, that we have a destiny guaranteed in Jesus. It does not depend upon how good I am, but it depends upon his righteousness. And as, I, as my life is hidden in Christ, as the Father looks upon me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. And so I have access to the very throne room of God. Let's stand together. If the band could come back, please. I may get around to the battle of AI on another occasion. Yeah. Because I want to give us time to go back into praise and worship. But... Read through Joshua. This is homework, right? Read through Joshua chapter 7. And what you find is everything that gave rise to that victory is missing in the battle of Ai. They do not consult or hear from the Lord. They act upon their own initiative and their own resources. There is no mention of the ark, the very presence of God being with them. 
They're not obedient to a word because I haven't given time to listen. And ultimately, they are not in unity with one another. We look at Achan saying, oh, he took some of the devoted things. Read that chapter. But what lies deeper than that, what lies deeper than simply taking devoted things, is the fact that his heart was not at one with the community. You know, disunity will rob a people of all that God has got for it. I'm not even going to suggest what my favorite psalm is. But it might be 133. Where brothers dwell together in unity, there the Lord commands his blessing. That is the bell abbreviated version. But brothers and sisters, as we press in, in unity to what God has got for us, I believe there is no limit to what he can achieve, what he can achieve in and through us. We're going to worship now and then I'm going to come back and we're just going to be praying with some people. But James, if you could... I'm going to have a rest now because you get, you get to that age you know, when you need to have a sit down at the end of a sermon. So you take it over and then I'm coming back. Right? Deal. Good.